Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Now unto the land upon the throne, we raise a sound, we raise a sound. Now unto the land. Spirit. But Father, you are the ultimate door. 
You are the greatest door that leads us into multiple places and you show us your multifaceted goodness and power and kindness and greatness. You are the door of life. You are the door of truth. You are the door of enlightenment. You are the door of power. You, Jesus, you are the one that we seek for. You are the one that we long for. You are the one we are crying out for. You, Holy Spirit, you are the doorkeeper, the door opener, and you are the one that even makes it possible for us to perceive the door that is Jesus. So this morning, Lord God, we give you the glory that is due your name. We don't want to be people, Lord Jesus, that only have knowledge, but we don't have the heart, but we don't have the spirit at work within us. Father, that's not what we desire. We want you, Holy Ghost. For every door that is unlocked unto us in this season, Father, help us to consistently remember that it is Jesus. It is Jesus showing us different things that he has done, different places that he has reserved for us. Help us to keep remembering that you are the door. Thank you, precious Lord. Thank you, Father. We give you praise. We adore you. We are grateful for you. And we count it a privilege that we can consistently sit in your presence. We count it a privilege that every time we come together, Lord, you open unto us the windows in heaven and you pour unto us great revelation by which men are delivered. Thank you, Father. We are grateful. We are grateful, Lord. We are thankful. Thank you, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Good morning, everyone. It is good to see you again. Um, it is always a joy to pray um, with this prayer in family. It is always a joy. And I count it an honor that God will even um, trust us, trust me, trust Pastor Stephanie um, with um, the responsibility of you know, stewarding his heart towards his people. Um, this morning, if there's anyone you feel should be on this prayer call, I want you to send them um, the link. I have done so this morning. Um, consistently, we must be led by the spirit. And in the same way, when you sit to eat, you know, you if you have brothers around you or friends, the responsible thing to do, the cautious thing to do, say, hey, come and join me. You know, even in the spirit realm, we must be hospitable. You know, we have to be hospitable and say, hey, there's something I'm eating. What makes you get up every morning to come and join this call? Invite someone to do the same with you. Um, and, I, and I know that the Lord will remember our hospitality, our spiritual hospitality, because that's what it is to remember your brother, to say, hey, I have this, this good thing. Come and, come and enjoy it with me. Um, another thing is um, I was some, I just, some days ago, like four or five days ago, I was thinking about liberation and deliverance. And um, I remember praying about it. I just felt like the Lord wanted to um, do, you know, a lot of that in his, in the hearts of his people. And I remember praying about it and um, talking to one of my mentors about it, about deliverance. And I remember him saying to me, uh, P.I., do you think it is necessarily like people, you know, seeing the demons come out of people screaming? And I was like, no, I don't. I don't necessarily think that's what it is. I know there is a place for that, definitely. 
you know, there is a place for that. I said, but I've just been thinking about deliverance and liberation and, you know, the fact that the Bible says the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he has anointed me to set the captives free. And I've just been thinking about setting the captives free. And I was like, you know, I'm wondering, am I doing enough of that? Am I being intentional about that? You know, and so just that conversation, and we went back and forth about, you know, all the things that the Lord is asking me to do and how he believes there's liberation embedded in the inside of it for people. And it's funny because after that day, I started getting a lot of messages where people are sending me messages about how the Lord delivered them, you know, during a prayer ring call. And it just struck me that it wasn't necessarily like God saying, you're not doing enough of delivering people, but it was God saying, this is what I am doing over my people. And there's so many testimonies of deliverance. Like if I showed you my DMs and my WhatsApp messages, people send me messages and it's fantastic. Keep sending the messages because number one, it's encouraging, you know, to me as a minister. And then number two, um, these testimonies, if shared with people, could just be what someone else needs. And, you know, the, the deliverance is, is so funny how the Lord does it. Like, you know, people are on the prayer call and we're talking about, content for your rivers, content for your waters. And, you know, yesterday we're talking about Eden and how the water that flows out of you um, and what hits the earth is determined by what is coming out of you, you know, and people are praying and saying, Lord, I, I cleanse myself of every bitterness that I've held onto for years, of every kind of ill perspective, of every anger and every, you know, and people are literally getting liberated in their bedroom. You know, things are breaking off them. People are hearing things, leaving them. People are seeing visions of, you know, them being set free, entering a new place. God is opening um, new doors for them of increase and prosperity by reason of the things that they are letting go. You know, so I, I need you to know that a mighty deliverance is happening here. So it's not a door that you are necessarily going to open yourself. It's a door that the Holy Ghost is opening inside of you by reason of the things he's commanding you and teaching you to do during these prayer calls. So um, I, I just I just say that to encourage you to know that there is a work going on. There's a work going on. People are breaking away from themselves um, generational curses and, 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 and all kinds of things that have held them back are being broken off people. Um, so I just want to encourage you as we just dive deeper in, into the word. I celebrate um, uh, Minister Jude who um, started worship with us on the prayer calls last week. And then Minister Victor has taken over from him. I celebrate Victor. You know, sometimes I don't even want the worship to stop. I'm just like, do I really need to teach today? Like, do we really need to do this? Can we not just worship all the way and go? I believe that God will lead us to do that one of these days. I just have a powerful time of you know, just worship only. And um, yeah, we thank God for that. And thank you to my media guy, Kachi, who comes to my house every day, you know, at 5 a.m. just to make sure that this happens. There are always people behind the scene that facilitate the work of God. So um, Kachi, God bless you. Thank you so much for always doing this. Um, I honor and respect your diligence. Um, God bless you. And Pastor Stephanie, of course, who stands as a gatekeeper over prayer reign. Um, this is our ministry of prayer. Um, well done, Pastor Stephanie and the prayer ring team for consistently praying, you know. And um, if I yesterday, they sent me a message. Pastor Stephanie sent me a message. I said, P.I., 
here is the schedule of how we're praying for you this season. You know, as she said to me, said, you're giving so much and you, was the word she used? I can't remember. You mean a lot to us and we cannot afford to let anything touch you this way. I say, well, you, you have it right. You have the vision right. Continue. You know, so I appreciate the praying team for not only doing the administrative part of prayer, but for also, you know, doing the, the, the prayer behind the prayer, you know, because many times you come here and you see the river of God flowing and the water of God flowing and revelation and power. And you are thinking, oh my gosh, but the truth is people prayed so that you can pray. People prayed so that when we open our mouths to pray, there is an ease of God's river flowing through us. So I, I, I celebrate the prayer ring team. Well done, guys. Um, God bless you. God increase you for your labor of love. I just felt the need to do that this morning before we go into anything else, you know. All right, guys. Um, so yesterday when we started, ah, so we started, you know, in fact, we entered this Matthew 16 about three days ago. We have to leave that Matthew 16 today because this was what First Corinthians was doing to us. Now, Matthew has held us again by our leg and will not allow us to go, but alas, we shall move this day. So in Matthew 16, just to do a recap so we can go forward into dominion. Um, in Matthew 16, the Lord was saying, who do, do you say that I am? Or to, G, to, P, to Simon Peter, if you guys remember, I was sharing this. If you are on this prayer call, please make sure you go back to day one, day two, day three, day four, day five, so that you can follow through on where the Lord has been taking us. And this sermon of doors has been so powerful. You know, yesterday I told Pastor Stephanie, I was like, man, oh my gosh, I'm seeing so many doors. Like if we want to stay on this matter, September is not enough. There, is, there are so many doors and, you know, part of the doors that by the grace of God, because as you can tell, we are not going to end tomorrow. So by the grace of God, one of the doors that the Lord will, <laughs> my people are, guys, take hearts. The Lord is your strength. <laughs> uh, so one of the doors that the Lord is um, leading us to that we will talk about is the door of man, the door of woman. You know, the Lord spoke that to me yesterday and he said, you know, because many of my people have no understanding about who they are lying beside and, you know, who they've made a covenant with and the power of the individual people. So th there is a door of the man, there's a door of the woman. There are places that in the, the individual um, genders can open up to you and their individual offices. So we're going to, at some point in this journey of doors, look at what the door of man looks like and what the door of woman looks like. What do they open onto you? You know, um, so many things. Yesterday, part of what God was speaking to me about was in Proverbs about the door that is opened when fornication and when adultery enters a family and it's in the book of proverbs it says that um, when a man goes to commit adultery how he has opened the door of uh, of death to into his house and how the dead are there and how the host of hell comes into the home is actually in the book of proverbs so when you see adultery happening in a family the first thing you want to do when the other partner, I say, oh, I repent. I'm sorry. Shut the door. Shut the door. You have to go through the process of the repentance also now involves the process of intentionally shutting the door because the Bible says when you open that door, you open the door to hell and you invite the dead and you invite 
hell to come and live in your house. So when you see that adultery happens and one partner is suffering and is almost going mad and all kinds of things, the children... Let me tell you that that's what they're dealing with because you literally opened a portal into your home that invites the hordes of hell to enter. So the next thing, one, one child begins to fall sick. The next thing, business begins to go wrong. The next thing, the other partner then begins to fornicate. All kinds of craziness. Look, we we, we will get in there, you know. So there are all kinds of doors that are written in scriptures um, that, that if you open your eyes, you will see it. And when you see it, you know which doors to open that are available to you and which doors to shut by the blood of Jesus, you know, so that it does not take you and take your generation, you know, because there are some doors that if a person of authority opens, it can literally finish the whole family. Um, think about Adam and Eve. Eve ate the fruit first, but we do not see the effect of it affecting the whole earth. But the moment Adam ate the fruit, the whole earth fell along with them. So there is something about the person of authority in a home. When the person opens a door in the spirit realm and how it has the capacity to affect everything and everyone that lies under the authority. You know, so if you are a woman and you're going through a thing like that, it's not for you to be saying, oh, there you be money tonight crying. No, that does not solve the problem. The problem here is not you. The problem here is you plus the generations to come. It's not just the, the breaking of your emotions. That will require another kind of healing. But also, there is also the closing of the doors of hell that want to open onto you, to your seed and to your children's children and to swallow up you and your entire generation. So, you know, that, so we, we have to enter into strategic prayer. Remember what I was saying to you guys about, you know, don't, don't, don't pray scatter bullet prayers. You know, you're shooting the enemy, you know, just hoping that one bullet will hit somebody. No, it, it becomes strategic. So the greatest challenge when a person is attacked by hell is to have the soundness of mind by which you can enter into strategic warfare. That now becomes the greatest challenge. So, um, and I know that as we teach, and that's the power of the teaching of the word. Because yesterday, as I was on this topic of deliverance, and as I kept thinking about it like spirit of the living god deliverance deliverance what are you doing on prayer rain and why do you make us teach so much before we pray and we go into prayer points the lord took me back to isaiah and i was sharing it with pastor stephanie let me just open it quickly the scripture we all know but i want to read it from the bible so that you can understand um what is going on during all these seasons and as we teach the word of the lord and we pray is in isaiah 61 when the bible says um, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison doors to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. So the question is, how do you liberate the people that are bound? You preach. You preach to them. So there is something about the word of the Lord and the true undiluted word of God that opens the door of deliverance onto people. So there is the place where people are demon possessed that you literally have to say, come out in the name of Jesus. But there is also a form of deliverance that comes by reason of the teaching of the word. So the question is, when did Jesus' disciples get delivered from any kind of captivity that surrounded them? When he said to Peter, he said, listen, you are cleansed by the words that I have spoken. So there is something about the word of the Lord that does a cleansing, that does a washing, that does a liberating, that does a deliverance over people's life. So every time you sit under a word, the question you want to ask yourself is, is captivity being introduced into my life or is liberty entering into my life? 
because people are bound and people are neglected by words. So what the word in itself or words are doors in themselves because you think about it, the, the captivity of Adam and Eve began with a conversation and the liberal, liberation of generations and the liberation of the earth was achieved by the word. The Bible says, and the word dwelt amongst us and was made flesh amongst us. So you see the deliverance that came to us came by reason of the manifestation of the word. So you have to understand that it's actually a battle of words. It's actually a battle of words because words open onto you realms, words open onto you doors, words open onto you places in the spirit. So the question you want to ask yourself is, where is this word taking me to? Where is this word taking me to? So I know that the Lord is um is, is doing a lot in us in this season. So in, in Matthew 16, 15 to 19, the Lord said to Peter, he said, who do you say that I am? And Peter replied and said, you are Jesus Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona. We have taught all of this. So go back to the previous days. He says, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. So I said to you guys, I said, that means it is possible for flesh and blood to reveal. That means it is possible for flesh and blood to show you. What will flesh and blood show you? Flesh and blood will show you the things that pertain to flesh and blood. It will show you the things around survival, the things around, you know, um, pride, the things around your own position, your own posture, your own growth, your own increase, your own impact. It's all about flesh and blood. Flesh and blood has no ability to give you the things of the spirit. So whatsoever is born of the spirit is spirit. Whatsoever is born of the flesh is flesh. So you see, and flesh cannot survive and cannot make the journey into eternal realm. So whatever door flesh and blood opens up to you, it ends here on earth. It does not have the ability to inherit the heavens. It does not have the ability to inherit eternal life. So what has the ability inside of you to inherit eternal life is the eternal spirit of God that he has placed within you. That is what can inherit eternity. So Jesus looked at Simon and said, hey, you are son of Jonah. You are your father is whoever he is. He says you have a lineage and you in physically or even spiritually, you are called Simon by Jonah. He says, but this day I bless you. This day I bring you out of that. I bring you out of generational lineage. I shut the the door of your father's house unto you. And I now call you blessed by bringing you into the family of God. And remember, I took you guys back to Peniel and the story of Jacob wrestling with the angel of the Lord. And I said to you guys, I said, Jacob wasn't wrestling for money. Jacob wasn't wrestling for assets and goods and, and all of that. Jacob already had that. He had prospered in the house of Laban. But Jacob got to the point where he realized that the blessing of God is not the wealth of money, is not the increase of children. He understood at some point that the blessing of God was him coming into um, the protection and being embedded within the family of the Lord and the history of God on the earth that was to shoot out, you know, through the promise that he gave to Abraham. So he was praying for something else and asking for something else. So um, um, Jacob wanted to break out of that thing where he is called the supplanter. He wanted to break out of the instrument of flesh around him. So he started to say, bless me. And I'm giving you context to what Jesus said when he said, bless are you, Simon Bajuna. 
There are so there are some revelation that brings you into the blessedness of God. He says, but he said, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my father who is in heaven. So the person that reveals to you determines where you are taken to, determines whether you have the blessing or the blessing is taken away from you. He says, my father who is in heaven has revealed this to you. So basically you then see after that, he said to him, I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. So that means when God revealed this to him, God was inviting Peter to where he lived, where God dwelt. He says, my father in heaven has given this to you, but we know that God's house is not in heaven. God cannot live in any particular space. All things were made by him and for him they were created. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So where was he before the beginning when he created heaven and earth? That is where he dwells. The Bible says, he that dwelleth in the sacred place of the most high. So the Lord has got a place called secret and that place is not heaven. So the Bible says, the heaven is where his throne is and the earth is his footstool. So basically the heaven is God's administrative hub where he rules and he reigns from. So you begin to understand that it's kind of like where you have the White House in Nigeria, we have Aso Rock, and that's the place where the, 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 the president rules from. But that is not necessarily his home. In the day that he leaves the office, where would he go? You have to understand how it works. So when Jesus says, my father who is in heaven, so he was speaking about the dimension of the operation of God that hails from heaven, that hails from the place of administration, that hails from the place of the structure of the kingdom that is from heaven that you begin to see the different hubs that the different commands of God goes forth without heaven we don't see the outworking of God's administration so he says what has just happened is that my father has revealed a dimension of himself to you and he has revealed it from the place of heaven so basically what was happening to Peter was that God was inviting Peter into a place of administrating alongside God God was inviting Peter into a place where he was saying Peter we can now trust you on our behalf to join us in this work of administrating my goodwill upon the earth of administrating my, my deliverance and my liberation upon the earth. And you see this in Jesus's next statement when he began to say, and I tell you, Peter, on this rock, I will build my church. So basically he was saying that, and, and I said that to you, he says, oh, I tell you, Petros, on this Petra, I will build my church. It's, it's, it's like a play of words in the Greek. But at the same time, we know that God doesn't play on words for no reason. So he was trying to say to him, say, hey, by nature, you you, you feel like you are strong, you are Peter, you are, you are great, you're personality and all. He says, but when we view it from the perspective of heaven, you are still a Petros. And so many times, that's the mistake that people make. People want to view their strength based on what they have, but they forget that the true evaluation is in how heaven sees you and the impact you are able to make, the eternal impact you are able to make. So he was saying to him, as Peter, you cannot make an eternal impact. Yes, you can speak up, you can move, you can. He said, but you don't have the capacity to make an eternal impact. He says, but on this Petra, if I now if you, since you now have this revelation of who I am, he says, upon this, you cannot administrate alongside me. He says, and when you come into this place, the gates of hell shall not prevail against you. It's that simple. He says, when you enter into the place of the Petra activation, you have the capacity to withstand the authority, the power, um, the opposition of hell. 
is simple. So that means the torment that we experience in our personal lives is a sign that we have not yet entered into the petrol um, dimension of God in that area. So that means there is a revelation of Christ in that area of life that can shut the gates of hell, that can shut the opposition of hell against your life. So um, I, I was talking to, to the people that I'm working with for Mountain of Deborah, um, um, South Africa last night. I was speaking with the team. And as we're talking, we're there, we there enter the area of, you know, how do we raise the money to take care of what we need to do? And as we was talking to them and, you know, they're like, okay, we'll do this, we'll do this. And I said, I stopped the meeting. I said, you know what, guys, I want to explain something to you. And I want to explain to you that every time God gives us an assignment, God is giving to us an opportunity to enter into the petrol dimension. So this is not just about what we will do on that day or what, Father, what the Lord will do through us on that day. This is not what it's about. It is about the journey that is being built up inside of us by which we arrive at what people see. So people will see a meeting, people will see liberation, people will see empowerment, people will see commissioning. But that is not necessarily what Christ is all about for us. Remember that scripture in the Bible says he, and he, he made them apostles first to be with him. So it is the being with the Lord that is really the strength of your apostolic calling. And so what does that look like when Jesus is about to go out and minister to crowds? What does it look like for the disciples? Is it the fact that he shared five loaves of bread and two fish? Is it the fact that he multiplied it? Or it is the wisdom behind the multiplication that is the blessing same for the apostles. And so I said to them, I said, listen, I don't want us to raise funds like we normally do or what we might have done yesterday. I said, because God is progressively revealing himself. But the problem is that the church never engages with God on his progressive revelation. Many times we want to engage with God on a former revelation that we knew him to be. But when God is an ever unveiling um, a being of wisdom and light and understanding and capacity. And I said to them, I said, I believe that there is a new revelation or there is an unveiling of God's wisdom and intelligence by which we can engage money in this season. And I said to them, I said, hey, don't raise funds like the regular culture of church. I said, can we get back into the intelligence of God's spirit by which he, money is raised? I said, to the point that you would so master the process down to the smallest detail that the next time you hear that a band of prophets, you hear that the church of God is about to do an apostolic work, you can say, hey, here is a template. Here is a blueprint. This is what to do. These are the buttons to press in the spirit realm by which you can arrive at abundance. Don't keep your eye on any man or any people. Keep your eye on Jesus and let Jesus download to us what are the different steps, what are the different ways. And I said to them, I said, if you can do this, something will happen to you. I said, some of you on this call, you will break out into wealth. You will break out into prosperity and increase, not because OPI said increase, no, but because you allowed the Lord to show to you his own pattern, his own way, and give you intelligence to the point of upbuilding, to the point of conversation, to the point of, you know, what groups to stir up, how to stir them up, what to expect from where, how to do what. I said, I believe there is a wisdom of God in it. This wisdom I'm telling you about is the petrol dimension, not the petros. In the petros is where you say, oh, maybe I'll talk to this rich person I know. Maybe I'll do this. That's petros. But there is a petrol dimension where categorically the Lord says to you, the gates of hell shall not prevail against you. It's that simple. So the prevailing of the torment 
of darkness is because we have not broken out into the bedrock of revelation concerning that matter. Because that word for Petra that was used is actually um, the word for bedrock. That it is not necessarily, it's not like a loose rock that you see or just a huge boulder. That's not what a Petra is. A Petra is um, like a huge bedrock within which you then hew a house, you cut out a house. So you don't move the bedrock. You actually build on the bedrock or you build within the bedrock. So Jesus was saying, this is the foundational um, um, strength of the church. This is the, um, not just the foundational, but this is the stronghold of the church. This is where the power is. If you know who I am in the midst of the matter. And so some days ago, I began to ask that question. Who is Jesus in the midst of the matter? Who is Jesus in the midst of what you are going through? What is Jesus's perspective? What is Jesus's standard? What is Jesus's thinking? What is Jesus's mind in this matter? Not to be moved by suspicion, not to be moved by culture, not to be moved by fear, but by the mind of Christ. He says, when you arrive at this place, I will give to you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever you lose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Jesus made this promise and he does not lie. So the question is, why have you been binding, 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 binding the same thing for five years and yet you don't feel a loosening of that thing yet in your life? So the question is, is it possible that it is because you have not first arrived at the Petra of God concerning the matter. That's why you yet don't have the key. Because the condition for having the key is that you first have Petra, that you first have the boulder of revelation concerning who God is in the, in the midst of the matter. I said to some people, uh, I've been saying, in fact, I've been saying it, for people who are wounded and broken, I said, listen, it is not time that necessarily heals wounds. Time plays a role because as long as you exist on this earth, you need time to be able to unveil the power of God and the strength of God. I said, but what truly does the healing is God. It is God, not the time. Because I have seen people who have lived out 30 years and the hurt that they are feeling today is still as potent as the hurt that they felt 20 years ago. So what does the healing in the midst of time is the God in it. And when you say God, what do you mean? It is the revelation of God in the midst of the matter. So he says, when you enter this, I will give you keys. And that takes us into today, which is, to, I said to you today, I'm going to teach you about dominion. He says, when you enter this, I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Now that word for keys that was used is actually the word for authority and power. Is it denotes power, it denotes authority of various kinds. So it says, I will give you the power and the authority that actually belongs to the kingdom of heaven. How did Peter enter into this place? He entered into it by first answering the question of who Jesus is. And the way he answered it, it then gave him a higher position to then be able to make the journey into authority. So while Peter and the church were still on earth, while we are still on earth, we already have authority in heaven. That's why the Bible says we are seated with him in heavenly places far above principalities and powers. You know, it says, and whatever you bind on earth 
shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you lose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And so the, 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 the word for that word bind is actually the Hebrew word dio. And the word actually means to bind, to fasting, um, to tie, you know, as though you are binding with chains or into chains, you know. And it's the same word that was used when the Bible was speaking about how Satan bound the woman that was bent over. Um, I think for 18 years, she was bent over. He says that Satan bound her and she could not stand upright. You know, the word for bind is to also put something under obligation of the law or of duty. That's what it also means to bind. The same way that um, 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 a wife is bound to her husband and, you know, a woman, a husband is bound to the wife in obligation and in duty. So the word deo also means to forbid or to prohibit and to declare that a thing is illicit. I need you to understand what I'm saying. So Jesus was saying to um, Peter that I am now giving you the authority to declare when a thing is illicit, when a thing is, is out of order. I am now giving you the power to be able to declare when a thing is illegal before God. So what Jesus was saying to him was not some kind of, you know, um, soft, oh, now I give to you keys, just take the key. No, he was saying that I am now giving you the authority to rule. I am now giving you the authority to be my law enforcement agent, not just upon the earth, but between the earth and the heavens. He says, I am now showing you that there is a legal system that connects heaven and earth. I am now showing you the rules and regulation that governs the heavens over the earth. I am now showing you that, that whatsoever happens on earth happens in heaven. And whatsoever happens in heaven happens on earth. And this was what Jesus was always trying to tell them. When they say, Jesus, how shall we pray? We want to pray powerfully. He's like, look, don't pray the way the Pharisees and the Sadducees pray. They only pray for the appearance here on earth. But I need you to pray so that you don't only appear on earth but whenever you shut your eyes and you open your mouth you also appear in heaven he says because i need you to understand that true prayer is what gives a man dual existence when you truly pray something happens to you even though you are sitting here on earth and you are saying something happens to that man that is truly praying that is praying out of the petra of god that is praying from the bedrock of the revelation of who jesus is when such a man starts to pray, he begins to put on his uniform in the realm of the spirit. And he begins to wear the uniform by which he can govern as a law enforcement agent. He says, hey, when you enter into this place, you can forbid a thing. And you can say, this is illicit. You can say, hey, this one is not under obligation and is not under law. He says, this, the, what I'm talking about is what makes it possible for a man to be able to declare a matter and they say it is done in heaven. How can the whole of heaven, how can the whole of God's government and administration stand upon a man's decision? I need you to understand how powerful this scripture is. He says, whatsoever you bind shall be bound. He says, basically, we heaven, we are standing and we are now in such a connection with you that we cannot lose things that you have not losing. Hear me. This is the next phase of revival. This is what people in the past caught in trickles. This is what people like Maria Woodward Etta, Amy McPherson, Catherine Kuhlman, Smith Wigglesworth. This was what they caught. And we see it as trickles of men across time and eternity. 
that have caught this. So instead of sitting back and saying, where's the power in the church? Don't say words like that. Go back and say, my God, show me what I am missing in your Petra. This is what will change your family. This is what will empower your children. When you lay your hand on your sons and you say to them, in the name of Jesus, I declare that you belong to God. Something is happening in that process. Why? Because a man that has Petra, a man that has the revelation of who Christ is in the midst of the life of his sons, he is able to declare. Every time you stand in that revelation and you declare, you don't only operate here on earth, you take the son and you appear with him in heaven. So when you bind certain things in his life and say, I say to you, you were your, 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 your passion will not be given to the drunkenness of this age. What you are also doing is that you are speaking to his spirit and you are commanding something in heaven and the host of heaven don't only write it down the host of heaven now take it as the the the, the 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 next thing that they will move with concerning the life of that child they take it as the next command because it is a legal term when he says i give you the keys he's not talking about the keys to door like we know doors he's talking about power and authority because it is one thing to have power and it's another thing to have authority. Power is the ability, the inherent ability to make a thing happen. But authority is the right to carry it out. So anyone that is born again has received power from God. You have an inherent authority. Please stay with me this morning because I'm looking at the concept of dominion. Everyone that is born again has received an inherent ability to do certain things. But the problem with many Christians, and the reason why we don't see the actualization of it is because we have not learned how to move from power into authority. From the moment that the disciples began to work with Jesus, they had power. The Bible says that how Jesus sent them out two by two into every city that Jesus intended to go to. And he gave them what? Power over demons, over, over principalities and all of that. And they went in, casting out devils. They returned to him saying, Jesus, they obey me. He says, don't, don't be happy that they obey you. Be happy that your names are now written in heaven. Don't be happy about this display of power. Be happy about the authority that you now have to engage with heaven. You see, because what it is, is that we are joint heads with heaven. It is, we have a merger with heaven. It is an equal partnership, equal stakes, equal risk that we have. Because Jesus says, now you have become my brothers. He says, we have become co-heirs with Christ. I know for some of you that have been in church for long, you've heard this sermon a lot of times, but I need you to hear me today by the power of the Holy Spirit. You have become co-heirs with Jesus. This is what gives me the ability to lie down at night. And even if a demon appears in my room, I can look, it and look at it and say, no, you are here illegally. I know the ones that are there legally, and I know the ones that are there illegally. I know the ones that enter because of a position that I took or my husband took, and I know the ones that are illegal. And so depending on the matter you are dealing with, you know how to rebuke. You know when to say, according to the word of the Lord, A, B, C, X, Y, Z. You know when to impute the power of repentance and when to impute the power of the blood. And you know when to simply rebuke because of where you stand. It is this dimension of intelligence in the spirit realm that God wants to bring us into. He said, I give to you power and authority. I am now giving to you the inherent ability to move things in heaven and on earth. But I'm also giving you the right to. Why did Peter receive the right? 
because he had the same mind of God. He says, the fact that you have been able to enter to where God is, tells me that you now have the ability to delegate, to give obligations, to be able to declare what should be and what should not be. This is the missing link in us being able to have dominion upon the earth. He says, whatsoever you bind, the word to bind is the word clear, and it is actually to shut up or to cause the heavens to withhold rain. He says, you now have the ability to shut up a thing. And so you are there complaining morning to night about your spouse. But have you considered for once that you have the ability to bind a certain dimension of the second heavens opened over them? You are complaining about your business. Have you considered that you have the ability to bind the operation of the second heavens? The second heavens is where demonic spirit, demonic entities dwell. He says, I have given you the ability to bind. He says, you shut it up, you shut it up, you make it inaccessible. You can bind the heart of your son. And you say, today I declare that my children, your hearts are bound to the heart of the altar of God. You are inaccessible to demonic infiltration. Even though you live in this world and you go through this world, but I shut up the second heavens towards you. You will be in a room where people are committing fornication and adultery. You will not see it, you will not hear it, you will not smell it, you will not desire it, my sons. You bind, you hold it, you make them inaccessible to certain things and you open them up into certain areas. The word to bind also means to obstruct the entrance into a particular place. You obstruct it. You say you cannot enter. Thus far you will come. Thus far you will go. Why? Because you have been given the power to do so. But God cannot trust you to do it on his behalf until he has seen you have entered into the understanding of who he is. It is always about the ability to answer the first question. Who is Jesus in the midst of this? It is not only in good times, but also in bad times. It is not also in great times, but it is also in or shaking times. It is not only in the times of prosperity, but it's also in the times of seeming poverty. It is not only in the days of liberty that you answer in this question, but you also should be able to answer it in the days of captivity. In the day when you are locked up, in the days where you are seemingly in the hell and in the jail of Satan, can you answer the question, who is Jesus in the midst of it? You see, we look at people like Joseph and we're like, how did this guy prosper? How is it that he came straight from jail and Jacob came with a blueprint of liberation from a whole nation? How did he come straight from jail and he came with a plan on how the city and the land and the nations of the earth will be saved? How does a person come out of captivity and bring liberty to a whole land? How is that even possible? How is it possible that Jacob was locked up yet his mind was not locked up? He was locked up, yet his spirit was not locked up. He was locked up, yet his soul was not locked up. How could Jacob have been betrayed and Joseph had been betrayed? And he was given out to captivity for many years, but yet he was able to forgive his brothers. That's to tell you that even though he was in prison, suffering, he was in pain, detached from his family, yet his mind, his soul, his spirit was never detached from God. 
This is why the Bible says, and the, the Lord was with Joseph. The, the Hebrew rendering says, and the beingness of the being of God was being with Joseph. That's what it actually says in the Hebrew Bible. And we translate it to say, and the Lord was with Joseph. But what was originally, originally written was, and the beingness of the being of God was being with Joseph. So basically everything that makes God, God, was that it was residing with Joseph in that season. So no matter the activities that we're seeing happening around Joseph, what how heaven was interpreting it was the throne of God, the mind of God, the grace of God, the power of God, the nature of God is with Joseph right now. So anywhere they were looking for God in that season in heaven, they went to Joseph. But where was that Joseph? Joseph was in prison. Where was that Joseph? Joseph was in a strange land. Where was that Joseph? Joseph was in a foreign land. Where was that Joseph? Joseph was in a land where they did not worship his God. He was in a land when they, where they hated the Hebrews. He was in a land where he was not received. But yet the Bible says that the fullness of God was with Joseph in that season. This is how Joseph could break out of there and yet come with solutions. Hear me. Joseph had a revelation of God. He sat under the consistent stream of the nature of the Lord. That is why Joseph had the ability to come out and to break the hand of famine over the land. What you need is to unlock the knowledge of God, no matter what you are dealing with, to say this is Jesus in the midst of it. This is how a man enters through the gate of dominion. This morning, Father, we are asking you that you will help us, you will enable us to be able to come into the knowledge of who you are. Father, let it become so easy for us when we sit in a room having a conversation and we hear people speaking on God. Father, help us to be able to break into you in the midst of that conversation. Father, we pray that in the name of Jesus, where we sit in rooms filled with men of authority and power. Father, let it be so easy for us in the midst of the multitude of the words and, the, and men elevating themselves and people declaring who they are and their own glory. Help us to be able to see the glory of God overlooking the matter. Help us to be able to see what Jesus would have done, what Jesus think about it. God, when we meet people and we are taken by them and we feel like, wow, this is something I don't have. This is the person that I feel so honored and privileged to meet. God, don't let us be taken by who they are, but show us your word, your speaking, your heart in the midst of their existence. Show us your mind. Because the Bible has made it clear to us that it is a man that can accurately discern you, discern your position and your posture. That is the man you give the authorization to engage with heaven. So Father, this morning we thank you. Because we know that you are bringing us into the place of dominion. We know that you are bringing us into the place where we can rule for you and rule with you. We know that you have not only given us the power to, but by reason of our understanding that you are unlocking in us, you are also giving us the authority to. And so, Father, we pray for the power that follows authority. We pray for the power that follows revelation. We pray for the authority that follows revelation. That, Father, today 
you will bring us into the place of mastery, the ability to master where you are in a matter, the ability to master discerning you in every matter. Father, because it is the mastery of Christ that brings a man into consistent dominion. So God, we want to enter into the mastery of Christ. Help us to be able to discern the culture of Jesus. Help us to be able to discern the mind of Jesus. Help us to be able to discern the fragrance of Jesus. Help us to be able to descend the passion of Jesus. Help us to be able to descend the desire of Jesus in the midst of every situation, in the midst of every matter. Father, so that we may consistently walk in authority in the name of our Lord Jesus. May we not be deceived, O God, by the lying tongue of hell, but may we walk continually in who Christ is in the name of Jesus. He says in Psalm 24, verse 1 to 7, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. He says the world and all day that dwell therein, for he had founded it upon the seas and established it upon the floors. Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Or who shall stand in his holy place? He that had clean hands and a pure heart, who had not lifted up his soul unto vanity, nor sworn deceitfully, he shall receive the blessing from the Lord. He shall receive the blessing from the Lord. Blessed are you, Simon Bajona. He shall receive the blessing from the Lord. He says, and righteousness from the God of his salvation. This is the generation of them that seek him, that seek thy face, O Jacob. He says, lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be ye lifted up, ye everlasting doors, and the king of glory shall come in. It is until the gates are lifted and the doors have been lifted. That is when the king of glory comes in. And I was telling you that I was speaking with my sister, Pastor Bumi, and she was sharing with me about this scripture. She said, you know, she found out that one of the rangers, when he says, lift up your head, O ye gates, and O you, you everlasting doors. It actually said, lift up your heads, ye living gates and you living doors. That means the gates and the doors are alive. The gates and the doors are alive. They are alive as entities in the spirit realm, but they are also alive within us because we are living. And you understand that from the beginning when he showed us the concept of gates and doors, the way that, that, that when he creates a barrier between a place and another place, we see first in Genesis 3. And what was there? The door was not because God carried a physical structure and put it there. No, it was actually a living door. It was living because he put two cherubs to stand over it. And he put a living sword in the middle of it. A sword that was turning in every direction. A sword that was able to cut in every direction. And it was burning with fire. This was the door. When you looked at that door, you would be scared because you see these covering cherubs that are great, that are strong in the spirit realm. And they are standing in, in, in and they are standing on both sides of the living entity. Have you seen a sword that is alive? A sword that has a mind, a sword that has a spirit, a sword that can descend, a sword that knows where to cut, a sword that knows where to go. This was the first door we see in the Bible. So doors are living and gates are existing and they have life. So for you to be able to unlock them, you must be able to engage them. And the ability to engage them is what Psalm 24 was telling us about. He says, God has got the whole earth. God has got the whole world. He says, so for you to, to have dominion is easy. He said, because God has it in his hand and God gives it to his people. He says, but who is he that shall ascend into the high place of the Lord? Who is he that God can trust with power? 
Who is he that God can trust with dominion? Who is he that God can trust with the keys to open the living doors that dwell in heaven? Who is he that the Lord can trust? He says, he who has clean hands, your hands speak about your works and it speaks about your warfare. He said the one that you, when you look at the way he works, and the way that he was, and the way that he feeds, and the way that he nurtures. When you look at it, he does it in the purity of the intentions of God. He does it in the purity of the intentions of Christ. He says, he who has clean hands. And he says, and also his heart is pure. Remember yesterday we were contending for our rivers. And I said to you that when the Bible was speaking in, in the book of Genesis, it spoke about the rivers that broke out of Eden. And I said to you that, Eden is no longer a place because in the initial way, Eden was the intersection between heaven and earth. Eden was the intersection between divinity and humanity. Eden was the place where God, the one who dwells in the vastness of creation, could come and meet with man who was limited in time and space. Eden is that place that makes it possible for the supernatural to engage with the natural and the natural still exists here on earth so he says so i said to you i said that eden is no longer a physical place it is not a church you go to eden has become you why because the bible says that we are the temple of god and if you look through scripture god was consistently trying to reenact or rebuild or to reestablish the concept of eden and when you look at the act of covenant what do you see you see the covering cherubs are standing over the flaming, are standing over the mercy seat. And so that brings us back to the concept of the gates in Eden, where you see the cherubs, cherubs and the cherubim actually also standing over something. So in the mercy seat, God was trying to say to them that this mercy seat that you are carrying in the ark has now become the doorway that you saw in Eden that was now inaccessible to man. Man could no longer enter the presence of God like he used to. Man could no longer engage with God in a way where he could carry the glory of God. Why? Because a door had been set. But when God gave them the, 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 the ark and he gave them the, the, the laws, God gave them the concept of the covering cherubs standing over the mercy seat and saying, I now give you access back. So everywhere the ark was carried, the glory of God will come down. The presence of God will come down. Why? Because God was trying to bring for them Eden once again, so that every man that stood where the ark stood was able to access the glory and the power of God, the same way that Adam and Eve was accessed. But there was consistently a veil between man and between God. And that's why in the time of the New Testament, that which was a mercy seat that sat in the ark, God now manifested it in the form of the man, Jesus. The Bible speaks concerning him. He that sits on the mercy seat, he is the one, his name is Jesus. He is not just the one that sits on the mercy seat. He is the mercy of God in himself. So it is Jesus. So we see it starting from a door in Eden. And the door in Eden wasn't necessarily to keep them out, was also to show them the way back in. So that in the day that Adam and Eve wanted to come back, the, the, the rest of the garden was veiled to them. But the only way they could see to come back was through the sword. So in the day they wanted to return, they could come back through the sword. It was also a way of telling them this is how to get back in. And then you see it again in the Ark of Covenant. But this time in our time, we see it in the form of Jesus. So Jesus has become the one that by which we can all enter into the presence of God. And so yesterday I was saying to you that you must contend for the rivers that flow out of you. 
You must contend for the purity of the rivers that flow out of your Eden because we have not become that place. So the Bible says in Psalm 24, remember we are on the topic of dominion. The Bible now says in Psalm 24, who can ascend the hills of the Lord? This was the same thing that Satan wanted, Lucifer wanted, and he was talking about it in Ezekiel 28 in the conversation he was having with himself. He says, I will now ascend into the hills of God. So what Satan wanted, God was now asking the question, who can do it? Who would be able? The power that Lucifer was trying to get, the authority he was trying to get, who can now get it? He says the one who has clean hands or the one whose rivers are also purified. The one who has a pure heart. He says he is the one that can carry that kind of dominion. He says the one who has not lifted up his soul to any vanity, neither does his mouth swear deceitfully. So that means to be able to enter into vanity, you have to lift your soul on. You have to lift your passion, your desires, your aspiration, your hope. It is a lifting that brings men down. When you begin to lift up yourself above the knowledge of God, when you all begin to lift up yourself above the desires of God, when you begin to lift up yourself above the, the aspirations of the spirit, that is how you begin to get into the place where authority is taken from you. He says, but when you find a man that has mastered bringing his soul into subjection to God, he said, you have found a man that can carry his authority. He says, this man shall receive the blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. He says, this is the generation of them that seek him. They that seek your face, O Jacob. Now, quickly, I was talking about the art of seeking yesterday to some people. And I said, it is one thing to ask and receive. It is another thing to seek and find, but it is another thing to knock. I said, when you see these three things that were written in scriptures, it was talking to you about three layers of receiving God, because there are some people that are still on the asking level. He says, well, if you ask, you will receive. So if you say, God, give me water. He says, the Lord will give you and you will receive it. That's to even tell you also that the art, the art of asking, also the art of asking also has inside of it the art of receiving. So to ask is to ask and receive. So asking is not complete until you have also outlined for yourself how you will receive what you asked for. So you say, God, I ask for a child. But to be able to accurately ask according to the way that scripture has described is that you ask for a child and then you go and sleep with your spouse. Because it is a two-pronged approach. Asking is two-dimensional. You ask and you also position yourself to receive it. So he says, if you ask, you will receive. That is one place. But there is another door. He calls it the door of seeking. He says, if you seek, you will find. So asking is different from seeking. Ask is God, I leave it in your hand. I've all told you to give me, so you give me. My child comes to me and says, Mommy, you know, can you can, please, can I have bread and jam? He has asked. So I will now go, and it is now my responsibility to perform the, 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 the art of bread and jam. So I will go put the jam on the bread, and I will give it to him. That is him asking. But then there is the other door of seeking. The Bible says it is the glory of God to conceal a matter, but it is the honor of kings to seek him out. That means you cannot seek until you have a royalty position. Please stay with me because we're on the topic of dominion. And this is the reason why many people 
don't yet rule over areas, over sectors, over systems, over cultures, over nations. This is the reason why people go into politics and they never return. Christians go into media and before you know what's happening, they have become another thing. Why? Because they have not mastered Psalm 24. So when I tell you that there are different levels, let me explain it to you. He says, it is the glory of God to conceal a matter, but kings search him out, kings seek him out. That means you cannot enter the next level of seek and you shall find until you have arrived at the place where you have first concluded in your heart that I am not seeking because I want something that I don't already have. Because it is kings that seek. A king already has power. A king already has authority. A king already has riches and wealth. So the question is when a king goes seeking, what is he seeking for? He is seeking for something that is more ultimate than money. He is seeking for something that is greater than, oh, you tell one servant, go, and he goes. He is seeking for the ultimate one. He says it is a king that can seek. So in Psalm 24, he began, he began to say, he says, this is the generation of day that seek him. The ones that can stand on the heels of authority are the ones that are seeking. It brings us back to the matter. You know, people often um, tease me, people who are close to me. And one of the ways they describe it, they say, ah, you see, you are too intense. You like to think a thing. You will... I say, you don't understand. It is the posture of kingship to meditate on a matter. It is the posture of kingship to be intense. It is the way that kings exist. You consider the multifacetedness of an issue. Because if you don't do that, you will never be able to give sound judgment. He says the one that seeks. So to seek is to go after the thing, to understand how, to be able to go after it, to be able to get the knowledge of it, to be able to get the understanding of it, to be able to see how it works, how it operates. You know, you want to know. He says they that seek your face, not they that seek your hand, but they that seek your countenance. If you look at the face of a man, you can tell what the man is thinking. If you master how to, to look at people's faces, you can tell where their heart is. That's why when God called Abraham, he says, walk before my face. So what we see that when we read the Bible, we say that God called Abraham out and he said, follow me. What he actually said in the Hebrew range was walk before my face. So basically put your face on my face. Just be looking at me, Abraham. Don't look to the left. Don't look to the right. Don't look at your enemies. The call that I'm calling you to is to keep your face on my face. That is why that Abraham, we say that Abraham now became a man that had such power. He had such dominion that nations feared him. Why? Because his face was before the face of God. This is what it means to seek. This is how you can then enter into the place where you can stand upon the hills of God and you can rule with God's authority. Why? Because your face is before his face. And the only person that can do that is a man that already knows that he's a king. So you are not seeking to enter into kingship. These things we have received by grace. We are not seeking to become his son. These things we already have. But by reason of the fact that we are kings made by him and we are his sons, we should have a natural desire to seek him. Now, he says, when you do this, something begins to happen. The heads of the gates begin to lift up. What does the head speak about? Please stay with me this morning because this is where we are breaking into dominion. What does the head speak about? The head speaks about authority. The head speaks about power. The head speaks about ability. But the head also speaks about 
intelligence and thinking and crafting. It is from the head that you get rulership. It is from the head that you get initiative. It is from the head that the mind is. Remember, every battle is in the mind. The Bible says, casting down strongholds, imagination. We touched on it yesterday. And the high things that lift up themselves above the knowledge of God. Knowledge dwells in the head. The, the, the strongholds dwell in the head. So when it says, lift up your head, O ye gates, that is to tell you that gates have got technologies. Gates have got thinking, gates have got intelligence, gates have got culture, gates have got power, gates have got disposition. So the gates that we are lifting up, they are not dead gates. We are talking about gates that have head. So you want to break into wealth, you have to lift the head of the gate first. Because wealth has got a gate and the gate of wealth has got a way it operates. You don't just appear at the gate of wealth and say, lift up your head, lift up your head. Do you have clean hands? Do you have a pure heart? So that is to tell you that when you now enter into the, 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 the culture of God's rulership, it is not about the work that you work. It is about the hearts that you have. It is about your ability to consistently purify your rivers, like we were praying yesterday. He said, because the man that can talk to the head of a gate and say to the head of the gate, be lifted up, is a man whose own heart and his hand has first been purified. So the greatest warfare of a believer is not to hustle, it's to enter into a state of heart. This is why Satan is consistently coming to your heart, coming for your heart. Look at Cain and Abel. Cain and Abel had the ability to commune with the Lord. What was the problem of Cain? It was the state of Cain's heart. Cain was never repentant. Cain's heart was always towards him lifting up himself like Lucifer. He says the one that has not lifted up his soul to vanity. So Cain's anger against God was not God. Why didn't you teach me what to do? Why didn't you tell me how to be? Hey, let me repent. Hey, you say sin is God. No, that wasn't Cain's position. Cain's position was you accepted his offering, did not accept mine. And when you say that word accept and you go and study it, it's also the word for promotion. It's the word for lifting. So God lifted Abel above Cain. God promoted him and that was Cain's anger. You did not promote me. As opposed to going back and saying, Father, where did I go wrong? What, what am I not doing right? Teach my heart. Let me be right before you. You now realize that Cain had the same problem that Lucifer had. He was lifting up his soul. He was lifting up his desire without going first to purge himself and to say, God, let my disposition towards you be a disposition of submission. Show me how to offer up things that are acceptable to you. That is our greatest warfare. That we, our warfare now becomes the to, uh, to exert our energy to enter into rest. And I was describing to some people that the rest of God is not that you are just sleeping, you know, you are not doing any work. That's not rest. But rest is that you are not oscillating on the same frequency as God's heart. That's why Jesus said to Simon, Simon, you now have dominion. Why? Because you can now see me. You now know my heart. So you cannot legislate for me. What happened to Peter in that point of answering that question? Was Peter saying, I know that they call him all kinds of things. Some call him Beelzebub. Some call him Elijah. Some call him this. He says, but I don't want to call him what they call him. But I want to know him as you know him. The moment Peter opened that door of his heart to the truth and the purity of God's position, something hit him. It is called the bedrock. The bedrock hit him. And the bedrock begins first in the heart. 
The moment you enter that hard place with God, something happens to you. I say to people, I say, if you know me personally, I am the most simple. I don't, you don't sit down with me and you enter my office and I'm like, hello, how are you? Allah Bishakapa, sit down. I want to share with you deep truths. I don't do that. I don't even know how to do it. I don't even know how to do it. We're just there. Usually it is what you provoke out of me that comes out of me. If you don't ask me, I won't say, I will just be talking normally with you. If you food you want to eat with me, I will eat food with you. If you shopping, you want to, we do it. It is what, like, I'm not even, it doesn't, I don't know how to do it naturally to, to get a posture or power or anything like that. I'm saying this to you so that you can understand that what makes setting gates lift up to people is not what they pretend to be. It's not a culture of, you know, you want to constantly appear like you carry revelation when you sit with your brothers, you want to talk big talk. I don't need to talk big talk. I just need to do good works. If everywhere I go, goodness and mercy follow me, then it can tell you that it is the kingdom I am seeking for. If everywhere I enter into, you see the impact of the angelic host of God, then it should tell you the revelation that I carry. I don't need to say it a thousand times in a room for people to know that it is about the works. He says, you, you are doing, you are talking the talk. He says, show me your faith by your works. It's that simple. So he says, the greatest place is to enter into that hard posture. That's where dominion starts from. He says, then you can now say, lift up your hands. Who was even declaring the lift up your head? It wasn't the seekers. It was the one who was being sought that was now declaring, lift up your head. He saw it and he said, my goodness, when a man does this, the gates have got no option because you are now coming with a higher technology of the gate of all gates. You are now coming with a higher revelation of the door of all doors. He says, because it is a war of gates. Because Jesus said to him, now the gates of hell shall not prevail against you. Why? Because you have entered into the bedrock posture. Now, how does this apply to your business? I was saying to you that someone was saying to me, and let me end it here this morning so that we can go to work. Someone was saying to me and called me and said, P.I., you said to us three days ago that we should not leave what we have until we arrive at dominion. And she said to me, she said, but look at my marriage. I have so many issues. Things are not working out. Look at my children. I have a child that is sick. Look at my business. Things are falling. Look at this. Look at this. And she said to me, she said, I hear you. And as soon as you said it, I knew that it was true. She said, but I don't know what dominion looks like for somebody like me. I don't know what dominion looks like for someone like me. She said, what does dominion look like? And I said to her, the moment she asked me that question, in my heart, I first said, huh, that is so true. But immediately I entered into the spirit. And what I saw was, I told her, I said, listen, dominion looks like you, first of all, understanding that the problems in your marriage are not necessarily about your spouse. The problem in your marriage right now is about who you become by reason of what your spouse is doing. I said that it is not so much about the Bible says he lent obedience to the things that he suffered. If you understand the culture of Zion, you would understand how Zion trains its sons. Zion does not train his sons first by abundance. Zion trains his sons first by constraint. I said to her, I said, the constraints of God is not to kill us or to suffocate us, but to help us begin to find a life outside of the constraints. I said, so dominion for you looks like you now arrive at a place 
where you say, I know that this is happening. I know that this is wrong. I know that my child has got a problem. I know my business, but Lord, I declare that it is possible for you to make me bigger than the weaknesses of my partner. It is possible for you to expand me to the place where I am not trying to make my business grow by trying to have all the connections in the world, but you expand me to the place where I enter into your revelation concerning this business, where I can find your heart in the midst of it. God, my child is autistic, but grow me to the place where I'm not every day trying to say, oh, this autism, I'm crying about it, but I grow to the realm of the spirit where I can overlook the matter of the autism. Remember what I told you guys about overlooking it? matter and i cannot look at it i can see the spirit of operation behind it and i can tell it live in the name of jesus and i don't only just say live in the name of jesus but god begins to give me a download of how to push that spirit out of the gate of my house out of the gate of my child's life and to pull his soul his mind his spirit back into a certain place i said this is what dominion will look like for you Dominion would not look like, oh, you just woke up one day and they start buying you flowers. You, no, 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 no. This, all of these things can work if God wanted them to right now. He can completely change your situation in the blink of an eye. The question is, why has he not done it? Because at some point, the sun needs to arrive at a point where he has mastered darkness. Until darkness is present, you don't enter into mastery. And it is mastery that gives you the right to rule on behalf of God. Why? Because the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was there, not to tempt them, but to help them attain mastery. So that every day they passed by the tree and the tree was calling them. They could say, I hear you, but I will not take you because that is not God's position. They can walk past the tree until they arrive at mastery. So that the day God finally gives it to them and say, eat it. They are not eating it because they hunger for it. They test for it. They are eating it because it has become an instrument by which they can judge the angelic host. Mastery is what leads you to dominion. You master darkness. You master sin. You master it all. Do you understand what I'm saying? God said to Cain, he said, Cain, be careful because sin is crouching at your door. Is it possible that at the door of every man, there is sin? The Bible says that the demons are always waiting. He said they left Jesus for a while. When he tempted Jesus, he left it for a season. That's to tell you that it is always crouching and waiting for you, but you master it. God said to, he said, he said to Cain, he says, master it. He said, because it is waiting for you. So every time you see darkness crouching around you, it is an opportunity for mastery. An opportunity for mastery. You need to understand what I'm talking about because that word when it says, it says, and his desire is to have you. He says that word for have you is actually the Hebrew word for how it says to desire the way a man desires a woman and the way a woman desires a man. It is a loss. It says sin wants to have you. He's, the way a man hungers to have a woman, that's how sin is hungry for you. So the question is, what was it hungering for in Cain? Cain's authority. Cain's power. Cain's ability given to him by God to dominate the earth. That was what sin was longing for. So darkness is attracted to your power. Darkness is attracted to the inherent dominion that God has placed within you. But God says, you cannot outwork the dominion until you first master the enemy that will perpetually rise up against you. So I said to her, I said, dominion will look like mastering. 
When you take your eyes off anybody and you say, this is not about the people that are hurting me. This is about my ability to rise up above hurt. This is not about the people that have betrayed me. This is about my ability to bless even those that have betrayed me. This is not even my ability to see what this done to me, that did not do to me, or what is happening in the pain in Nigeria. No, no, no. It's to rise up above the nations and the continents of the earth and to bless them as though it were the Father and to pray for them the way that God will pray for them. This is about mastery in the midst of constraints. constraints. I said to her, when you arrive at this place, you have arrived at the place of dominion. You see, she said to me, she said, Pia, I get it. Because remember, when you arrive at that place, this is where Psalm 24 says, and the gates and the doors will be lifted to you. He says, that way the glory of the king can enter into your life. You know, she said, yeah, I get it. She said, I think it's like Genesis 27. When, um, Esau, said to Je- when, when Esau said to Isaac, he said, is there nothing else for me? In Genesis 27, 38, it says, and Esau said unto his father, has thou but one blessing, my father? Has thou but one blessing, my father? Bless me, even me also, O oh my father. He says, and Esau lifted his voice and wept. And Isaac, his father, answered and said unto him, Behold, thy dwelling shall be the fatness of the earth and of the dew of heaven above all. And by the sword thou shalt live and shall serve thy brother. And it shall come to pass when thou shalt have the dominion that thou shalt break his yoke from off thy neck. This is what Isaac said to him. Isaac was a spiritual man. Isaac said to him, Listen, Esau, I know that your birthright has been taken away from you. I know you feel like you've made a mistake. I know you feel like all is lost. I know you are so broken. You are like, God, is there any redemption in the midst of this? I know you've been on your knees crying to God for so long. I know you are hoping that the money will come so that you can take care of the fees for your kids. I know that there's so many worries in your heart. He says, but Esau, in the day you gain the dominion, the Hebrew word for dominion is the word radar. And the, the, it's a primitive root word, which actually means to rule, to dominate, to tread down. And it says, and to have dominion or subjugation over a thing. It says to also scrape out and to scratch out. But then when you go further down, it also means to get restless because there is another word for it. It's the word rude, R-U-D in Hebrew. And it means, it's, the primi- it's also a primitive root. It means to wander restlessly, to get restless. Esau said to Jacob, he, Isaac said to Esau rather, he said, Esau, I see that it's almost as though it's over for you. But in the day that you gain dominion, in the season of life that you arrive at the place where you get restless about what has happened between you and your brother, where you say, okay, yes, it looks like I am meant to serve. Yes, it looks like I am broken, catching. It looks like I am broken beyond measure. It looks like, you know, I cannot rule over this or I am, I'm, I'm consistently going to be under this situation. Isaac said to him, let me tell you the wisdom of God by which you can break out of it. He said, gain dominion. Master this situation. Master it. Don't seek to go and steal it back from Jacob because you can't. He said, but there's another way of escape from this matter. And the way of escape is the way of dominion. The way of escape is the way where you now find out how God operates. You now find out how to rule in the midst of it. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray this morning. 
that you show us how to rule in the midst of the circumstances of our lives. You show us how to rise up in the midst of the struggles of our day. You show us, oh God, how to use the circumstances to arrive at wisdom. You show us how to use the circumstances to arise, arrive at wisdom. Father, we ask that in the name of the Lord Jesus, that every single one of us on this prayer call this morning, we would understand the mind of God for dominion. When we walk through the day, Father, let us not see the way we used to see before. Let us not see like that anymore. Change our eyesight. Change the eyes of our mind, oh God. Father, help every one of these people to know that they are living gates standing between them and where they are supposed to be. That they are living doors that God held standing between them and where they are supposed to be. There is a gate of marriage. There is a gate of wealth. There is a gate of ministry. There is a gate of peace. There are gates of joys. There are gates, oh God, everywhere. But Father, I ask that we will not only ask you how, but we will know how to come into it. In the name of Jesus. You know, I told you there is a level of asking, there's a level of seeking, but there's a level of knocking. When you knock and the door is opened, doors stand between two realms. So it is now different from seeking and from, from asking. Ask, they give to you. Seek, you find, you realize that, oh, this is where it is. This is how it works. But when you knock, you are not invited into the very place that you were seeking for and you were asking from. You now enter into the place where you now become one with the operation of that which gave you the things that you asked for and the things you sought after. So when you enter the place of knock, it is no longer about asking and seeking. It is now about being that which can now give what other people and nations are asking for. But you don't enter into the knock realm until you have allowed yourself to agree that dominion is the ultimate. Dominion is to rule over in Jesus. God said to them, subdue it. Subdue it until you arrive at dominating it. Then you can break into the whole earth. Kalema sudere Pray, pray, pray. We are living in the next five minutes. Pray for your mind. Pray for the gate of your spirit. Call yourself into the openings of God. This is not the day when you give up. This is not the day when you give up mastery. This is the day when you make sacrifices because you want to master. This is the day where you agree with God because you want to master. Yes. Yes. As we 
judge disobedience in a people, in a land, in a season. I needed to understand the concept of that. The anointing is what breaks yokes. The anointing is the presence of God. So when God anoints a man, the first thing he wants to do is break the yoke of that disobedience over your life. And then you become the yoke breaker to people. Understand that when God anoints you, it is God's way of giving you dominion. It is God's way of breaking the yoke of certain limitations and certain habits over you so that when you go into the world, you cannot break those same yokes. The disobedience that you have mastered and overcome, you now have the authority to overcome that disobedience when you see it in the lives of people. This is not the day when you run from warfare. This is not the day when you run from trouble. If you would arrive at dominion, sons of God, and you will be able to tell gates and doors to lift their hands, you must first fight the good warfare inside of you by the anointing of the Holy Spirit. You must allow the Holy Spirit show you how to master the situations. I'm not talking about deadening your heart and acting like it doesn't exist. Go back into prayer. You have recognized a pattern in your lineage. Go back into prayer and master it. You have recognized a pattern in your life. Go back into prayer and master it. Go back and begin to say, Lord, what is the technology of this thing's operation in my life? Find it. Then when you find it, deal with it. When you find it, superimpose God's knowledge. When you find it, walk away from it and walk around it so that you can no longer be taken by it. Put it behind you. Find the operation behind every matter in your life. Don't just complain about the matter. Don't just cry about the matter. Find the operation of the matter in your life. It is when you do this, you arrive at mastery. You arrive at dominion. It is the dominion you have that you bring to the world. It is the dominion you carry that you can bring to a system. This is how you can enter into a nation and take it for Jesus. Because the captivities of that land, you have first dealt to those inner captivities inside of you. Then when you are coming, even the angelic host will be announcing and saying, lift up your head. You ancient doors. Because there are no new doors. It's called the old crooked serpent. It is an ancient door we are fighting. It's an ancient demon that holds the history of your family line in its hand. So have you first done the process of inquiring, of asking the Lord, what exactly am I dealing with? What exactly is speaking over my life? What gates have been opened that I did not know? The people in authority over the office where I work, what doors did they open in this system? That anyone who enters here, they begin to struggle. They always have miscarriages. Master it. He says, in the day you master it, O Esau, the yoke will be broken from you. You yourself, you will not become a master. I pray that the Lord God Almighty will be with you. 
I pray that the Lord God Almighty will give you the intelligence of the spirit. And I pray that as he does so, he will strengthen your hand in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. We're going to worship for a while so you can stay back and worship. If you are still in your house, you are still in a place where you can pray. Just keep praying and keep worshiping as the ministry continues. Remember, you can partner with us. No, you can. You should partner with us. There's the link there where you can partner with us financially to give. Or if you're in any of the nations we're going to, I've said to you that in, in October, we're at Mountain of Deborah is in South Africa. In November 26th, Mountain of Deborah is in Houston. And in December, I think 17th of December, Mantle of Deborah is in Ghana. So anywhere you want to partner with us in any way, please do so and establish and strengthen the work of God in our hands. Strengthen it. Do not let us be weak. Do not let us give up on the vision of God. Do not let us say it is too hard. We cannot do it. If it is in your hands to do it, do it. Open the gate for us. Make it possible for us. Tell us how to go about it. Show us. Strengthen us. Let God bless you for doing so. Don't just be a, a taker. Also be a giver. You may not be able to preach to me what I need to know, but you can give to me what I need to do the work that God has committed. So we encourage you to partner with us and to stay in this place of prayer and to stay in this place of open eyes. Satan will not overtake us, but it will be in our generation that we overtake him with a revival fire of day that have entered into the dominion realm in the name of our Lord Jesus. God bless you. And I'll see you again tomorrow. Have a great day. Lift up your hands.
This holy mountain, 